Hi, Sacred Tension fans. My name is Matt Langston, and I play in a band called Eleventy-Seven. I'm an artist, a producer, and I also host my own podcast right here on Rock Candy called Eleventy Life. We talk with the people behind your favorite songs and albums, from the writers to the producers and everyone in between. And we're not asking your favorite artists the same old boring questions like where did your band name come from and who's your favorite Friends character. We're asking questions like why did your marriage fail? Where does love come from? Is God real? It is a show about the importance of creativity and pursuing your passions. And we don't let guests leave until it gets a little bit uncomfortable. So check it out right here on Rock Candy and your favorite podcast app. This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the spiritual discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Bradford Long, and before we get started, I just have a couple of pieces of housekeeping. First, if you want to see this show have a long life, and if you enjoy listening to Sacred Tension every Monday morning, if you find yourself looking forward to it every week, then please consider becoming a patron by going to patreon.com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long. For a dollar a month or $5 a month, you will get a patrons-only podcast called The House of Heretics, in which my assistant Justin and I have very not-safe-for-work conversations uh, while drinking coffee. And um, it is an unedited show, and so all the things that I uh, edit out of this show uh, stay in, in House of Heretics. And and, uh, that's good or bad, depending on your perspective, I guess. Very not safe for work. Uh, But that's what you're paying the money for. And uh, becoming a patron helps ensure that this show is sustainable. I already work full-time. I uh, teach three yoga classes a week. I manage a grocery store. I'm super busy. And uh, we're we're developing the Rock Candy Podcast Network. And, And so it's a lot of work. And it's really only sustainable with your help. And so if you love this show, if you want to see it continue, uh, please become a patron. Second, my colleague Matt Langston and I are working on building a network called Rock Candy Podcasts where we are looking for creators who want to make interesting, fun, quirky, uh, lighthearted, and interesting content that will help make the world a better place and more curious and more engaged. We're looking for topics from everything from queer issues to theology to religion to politics to movies to nerd culture to horror to anything under the sun really as long as it is well made and adheres to our policy of radical kindness and curiosity. If you have a podcast or you are thinking of starting one, please contact me by going to stephenbradfordlong.com and you can send me an email there. I would love to hear your idea. I want to hear your pitch and maybe we can see if we can produce it. All right. Well, with all of that out of the way, I am incredibly excited to welcome Chris Kratzer to the show. He is the author of the excellent book, Leatherbound Terrorism. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, it's great to be on. Yeah. So I'm reading your book right now. I'm in the middle of it to my shame. I'm not done with it yet, but but I'm in the middle of it. And uh, you're fucking pissed in this book. It's intense. I love it. Yeah. Well, you know, I think part of what I try to do when I write is be honest 
and um, to not only communicate my own experience, but also to try to give voice yes. um, to the other experiences that are going out there. And I'm, yeah, I think that's a an accurate assessment. Yeah, I mean, I'm pissed. Yeah, I'm pissed. And I think, I think, and it's, I think the, I, yeah, I think the problem is that you know almost that more more people aren't. Yeah, I um, agree. And you know that uh, there's a lot of people out there who have these same feelings they just don't know how to put it into words or they don't you yeah. know have the courage or whatever and i feel like that's part of my responsibility absolutely okay so let's back up some and um your book leatherbound terrorism it's it tells your story as someone who was a former conservative evangelical minister yep and how that all fell apart for you. And it's really compelling. You're you're not it, it isn't just a compelling story, but you're like a really really compelling writer. And so, you know, I am one of the abortions of the evangelical world, you know, I'm I'm one of the failed children <laughs> of evangelicalism. Yep. I you know, I'm I'm uh I think it's a miracle that I have any connection to Christianity at all, you know, as yep. as heretic as as heretical and non-theistic as it is. I think it's miraculous that I even have that much. And so your book is really really speaking to me. And what and, and so I'm just curious what got you into into the conservative evangelical thing? What was it that appealed to you? You you talk really powerfully in the book about how it it acted on you like a drug, and yep. could you talk about that some? Absolutely. Um, you know, right around the time that a book by Rick Warren came out, the Purpose Driven Church. Yep. Um, <laughs> the whole idea of the mega church and Bill Hybels and Rick Warren and those kind of guys were really getting cranked up. And um, remind me know, of remind me of a of of like the year uh, about what I would say like mid two thousands early two thousands. Oh no no no! This is back in the like probably um, yeah I would say for me it was right around ninety ninety eight okay ninety seven ninety eight yeah. Cool. And, um, you know, I had been a Lutheran guy for a while. I went to a Lutheran seminary and there were a couple of things that happened for me. One, you know, I think mainly, you know, uh, there was this curiosity, there was this, uh, addictive allure to the idea of becoming the next mega pastor, you know, mm. to having that profile, that platform and to having that kind of success. And man, when you, when you hang around the conservative Southern Baptist world of pastors, man, it's all about numbers. It's all about yeah. who's got the, you know, the latest building project going baptisms and all that kind of stuff. And quickly you can get really sucked into that. In fact, now that I think about it, I had actually interviewed with, um, as a Lutheran guy, Community Church of Joy out in Arizona, which was a, the first real Lutheran mega thing. And uh, Walt Callis did a great guy, but man, it was just like this boomer American dream thing meets church. Yeah. And uh, the franchising and the, the branding of Jesus and the whole contemporary experience, man, that was just like crack cocaine. Yeah. And so that would became, you know, after I came back interviewing for that church on a staff position, I thought, man, I can do this. And I got really caught up into that. And then when I realized that, hey, you know what? A lot of the churches that are really successful in that way, in terms of, you know, very corporate, successful, 
you know, uh, you know, lots of attenders, that kind of thing. We're all really on the conservative side of things. Mm. So that really got me curious as to why. And then I think there was other people speaking into my life who said, well, part of the reason why is because, you know, their theology is not real. You know, uh, I mean, in, in terms of what I was in, that the Lutheran theology is too liberal. You know, if you don't repent of your sins and put your faith in Christ and, you know, if the Bible isn't the word of God to you, then you're not a real deal Christian. And I hmm. and began hearing all these kinds of things. And then um, at that time, I was not an affirming uh, pastor by any stretch of the imagination. And so when the Lutheran church started to go towards you know, ordaining uh, gay people uh, and things like that. There was just a perfect storm of several issues that happened that ultimately led to me saying, you know what, I, I think for various reasons, I'm going to jump this ship and, and, and go to the Southern Baptist contemporary side of things. And that's exactly what I did. And, hmm. and a lot of it was for selfish reasons, if I'm honest. I mean, if I'm really honest, a lot of it was for, hey, you know what, I'm young and I can talk well. I've got a pretty good head on my shoulders. I could be the next Bill Hybels. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's the appeal of power that, that well, yeah, drew you yeah. into that world. Yeah. Well, and there's and it's and everything's you know kind of cut and paste in that world as well. Yeah. You know, everything's black and white. You're either in, you're out. You know, the Bible is either perfectly true or it's perfectly, you know, you know, either you're really, you know. Uh, conforming to the beliefs or you're not. So that it, or everything's kind of pre-molded for you. And all you have to do is just kind of fit yourself in there and you're off to the races. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of, of a really interesting exchange that I've found myself having and that I see other people in a similar position to me having. And, and that is that I, so I'm a non-theist, which, which means, which I like to think means that I'm, I'm an atheist, but less of a douchebag about it. And <laughs> <laughs> one of the conversations that often comes up is, well, but then how do you know if life has any meaning? But then aren't you uncertain? How do you what you know, where do you know? How do you fit into the universe if there if you don't know if there is a God for sure to which all of the answers are I don't know. And what I find is that really conservative religious people absolutely hate that because yeah. the power of having those answers, the power of that certainty of where yep. do morals come from? What is my place in the world? Where am I going after I die? Of course, that's a drug like that is the most drug like thing I've I've ever encountered to have those yeah. clear answers instead of confronting a huge terrifying I don't know and and now being on the other side of it being the person who says I don't know it freaks them out so much they cannot deal with it well yeah and then you're labeled as something's wrong with you your faith is not strong enough you know oh you're, absolutely all that kind of stuff yes and, all of those things yeah the the area of gray you know that the tensions you know that are part of you know what I would say is a, a an authentic faith journey are definitely uh, frowned upon. I mean, there, there's nothing more more spiritual killing than being a conservative evangelical because growth is. I mean, I mean, it just cracks me up. They're all about you know spiritual growth and growing disciples of Jesus and more devoted followers of Jesus. That's bullcrap because what you're really saying is we're just going to grow more people to become like us. And yeah. and there and 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 because everybody 
you know, conservative evangelicalism wants everybody to land. I mean, they want you to, you know, come to this place where you have all these certainties and all these things that you, you know, believe in and are doing in your life. And, you know, it, it, it's 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 about becoming a part of this spiritual board and, and, and conforming and, and and falling in line. And, and spiritual growth is like really, really super discouraged on an honest level. I mean, having questions and doubts and yeah, and and having people be on different places. I mean, you know, when 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 people talk about vision in church, it's all about conformity, you know, and they use that passage in Acts, you know, where. Uh, you know, it says, well, and, 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 and the first believers had everything in common. Well, that's not exactly, I don't think, what they were driving <laughs> at there. Exactly. So, okay, so so you talk about how you, you write with an urgency in your book about just how dangerous and toxic conservative evangelicalism is. Absolutely. And you, you talk with like this really fervent urgency about just how dangerous it is as and you know as as like this global threatening thing i agree with that i i 100 agree with that and i'm wondering if you could articulate more how and why it is such an an urgent threat to well it's the, the it's the point yeah it's the poison you know positioned as the cure you're right and it, I mean, and look at where we are as a country. I mean, look at what we've become. I mean, you can trace it, you know, far back before even the birth of our country. But just, you know, taking a smaller look, spectrum-wise in history. I mean, the the ideas, the the tenets of conservative evangelicalism, the idea that that God is a punishing God, that the Bible is the perfect word of God. And that, you know, and the colonialism and the, you know, we're going to, you know, win the world for Christ, all this, you know, conquer and, uh, you know, we have the truth and other people don't. And, you know, the world is bad and we're good and we need you to become more like us if you want to live and escape from hell. All these ideas are just cancer. I mean, yeah. Um, and, and what it does to a person that, you know, they're really coming out with more experiences and people start to talk about these things, you know, the spiritual abuse um, and the psychological impact on these, on the evangelical system of faith and the culture of it is, is terrible. I mean, I know because, and I can say it because as you can, as you know, in the book, I mean, I was there. I mean, I, you know, yes. I was, I, you know, it's not like I'm just speaking from what other people have said. I, I know the devastation because it freaking wasted in some regards, uh, you know, a, a significant part of my life and, and so many relationships that were scorched, you know, out of, you know, just the mindset that I had and my wife had and, and we as a family adopted, you know, in terms of, you know, just how we carried ourselves and looked at the world and other people. Yeah. And, you know, the thing about it is you don't realize the erosion that's happening in your heart until somehow you snap out of it and you wake up and you go, holy shit. And, and it's too late at that point. Well, a lot at of some those points. Yeah. A lot of those yeah. relationships are gone at that point. Well, that and, and but but the the idea, the idea of privilege, I mean, the whole message to me of Jesus is the opposite. It's equality. Yes. It's that, hey, we're all on the same page. We're all on the same planet. We're all the same people. And we all have the same things with God. With you, or, or if you don't believe in God, you're, you know, whatever. We're all we're all on this in the same boat. And, and none of us are better. We're only different. OK, so that's the message that I, you know, discovered 
And but that is the opposite of what most Christianity teaches. Yes. You know, it's it's that that oh, if I believe certain things, now I'm set apart, mm. and now I can look at the world in a different way. I can look at a world as a project. You are my project, and our country is a place where you know we uh, you know we were created for this country, and this country was created for us. And 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 you just get all these mindsets of privilege and power and control and domination and fear and uh, manipulation and that is that is ultimate evil to me yeah and you know people some people say well you know the title of your book leatherbound terrorism that's too that's too harsh and some people didn't want to touch it they wanted to put some gloves on before they they carried the book around <laughs> and and i you know i was like yeah, you know fuck you man you be a transgender person in america for a half a minute Absolutely. You, know, you be a gay person. You be a black person. You've never had your family hanging on a on a lynch tree, you know. And yeah. it wasn't until freaking 1999, I think it was, that the Southern Baptist Convention finally said, "Hey, you know what? We apologize. We 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 mm. were a spiritual support of that whole racism thing, and we're just going to go ahead and apologize now." Yep. And yes. and so I I just it's terrorism to me. You know that if if that's the biggest word we have in our culture for for something that is harmful in this world, then that is the only term that can describe accurately what we have as the outcome of and and, and it's subtle. I mean, and, and it doesn't look like terrorism all the time. It looks like, you know, the husband's at home who who thinks his wife ought to be submissive to him and his kids too. Yes. You know, it it, it and, and it takes all these different forms that are that aren't, you know, they're not there's a, there isn't blood dripping off it for everybody, but there's certainly emotional and spiritual carnage just everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And and so, yeah, there's that personal, there's that interpersonal aspect of it. And then as well, there's also the fact that the conservative evangelical world has been one of the most anti-science coalitions in recent memory and and on a global scale and that in turn is is blocking us and has blocked us on a national and international level from effectively doing anything about climate change which in turn will can cause many times over a holocaust especially for developing countries and so the, you know the the idea here being that ideas have consequences and that there's something particularly toxic and dangerous about conservative evangelicalism not just interpersonally but also the way it translates into policy and how it blocks necessary change and how it how it is creating undue human suffering yeah i mean and it's all it's you know it's all in that system of belief you know when i believe that i can do something to become closer to god to be accepted to god and therefore to be have favor with god and that that just right there in itself then creates this opportunity and for them even a calling to see the world as being inferior yeah and then all of a sudden that you, you know and you know it's interesting the word evil in the new testament is the word poneos and it actually the root of that word means to make a name for yourself mm -hmm. and that's exactly what evangelicalism does and it's making a name for yourself to position yourself say i'm the saved you're the lost I'm the faithful, you're the not, I'm righteous, you're the sinner, you know, and and it's based on, yeah, yeah, God did a lot of stuff to make it happen, but ultimately it's my faith, it's my decision, it's my choice mm. that I'm, you know, a part of God's elect, and therefore now look at me as compared to you, and let me tell you something, that is, that is the beginning of all evil yes. in my mind. 
Yeah. So what has the response been to to your book and to your really, really intense claims about evangelicalism? How have people been responding to it? Well, you know, it's been interesting because I would say for 95, 98 percent of the people who have read the book, they love it. Um, yeah. They they it's they go, wow, that's my story. That's exactly how I feel. I can't believe someone else, you know, has been through this like me. Um, it's very um, healing for a lot of people. Um, and you know, it, it changes their perspective. It, it challenges them mm. for other people. They're, they're uncomfortable with, they're uncomfortable, I think with the in your faceness of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and I think part of that is because they're not at a place to really look at it within themselves. Now, right. I mean, yeah, the book is, is, you know, I mean, it's interesting, you know, because for some people, that toughness is the very thing that is healing them. Mm. For other people, that toughness is the very thing that is, you know, causing them to shrink back a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just have to say, as someone who is queer myself and and who's just been flogged by the church, hearing, you know, a, a presumably white straight guy like yourself just rip evangelicalism a new one is really cathartic <laughs> for me. So I'm— well, really and, you grateful know, to me, for that. It's it, to me, you know, the whole LGBTQ issue, as I talk about in the book, th- th- it's not an issue of grace. Th- this because we're not talking about sin, we're not talking about brokenness. Yeah, the LGBTQ issue. This is an issue of freaking truth. Yes, and we got it wrong. Exactly. We got it freaking wrong. Exactly, it's, we're wrong. That's all there is to it. it in was, my mind, yeah, that's that's what happened in me. I realized, you know what, I am wrong, and holy shit. How many people have I hurt and condemned and made to feel like crap and 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 basically manifested you know, the heart of evil to them? And you go, oh my god, that just is is terrible. Yeah, and that's that's where I really you know started writing about it and and mm. um, you know you trying to go ahead. Well, you you bring up a really good point there, which I think is that you know, and and this is something that I often find myself communicating is that love does certainly matter. It's important to love people, and and that will mitigate a lot of harm, I think. It's important to have genuine love. However, ideas do have consequences. And you can, Absolutely. And you can love an LGBT person. You can believe that they are worthy of God's love. You can believe that they deserve God's love. You can believe that they are that they can be forgiven by Christ. All that, that's great. That's fine. But if you have a wrong belief about what it means to be LGBT, you are going to hurt them, period. It doesn't yeah. matter. Because the you love. strip them of their humanity. Yes, exactly. Humanity. And, yep. and, and even if that isn't what people think they are doing, that is what is happening in practice. And and so this is, and I think that's a really important point, is it isn't just enough. It isn't enough to just be loving, you know, to, to have a right heart. I think that's the place to start. I think that's important. Well, and, see, and sometimes love can be condescending, can it? Oh, yeah, like, absolutely. Oh, I love you. <laughs> I love you. Absolutely. I love you. Oh, you just... Yeah, you little poor little thing. I'm well, sorry. <laughs> you can also love bomb, which you know you can you can do like love bombing and and uh, to to try to convince someone that you're that you're right, which is just another form of manipulation, you know. Yeah. Um, and and so, but all that to say, love in and of itself is not enough. You also have no. to you also have to be right. You have to have a correct understanding of what it means to be LGBT or disabled, or trans, or a person yep. of color, or yep. <laughs> all of that stuff, yeah. or else we're just going to fucking hurt people, or else we're just going well, to destroy see, people. But see, that that evangelicalism requires 
there to be a difference. Mm. There requires them to have a hell. You cannot be an evangelical without a hell. You cannot be evangelical without a, a, a theology of sin yeah. or a philosophy of sin and all and, and inequality. And if you take those things out of evangelicalism, they have no mean. There's no there's no purpose to their system of faith at mm. all. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah. So in other if words, you take the Bible out. I mean, if you take the inherency of the Bible away, they're done. Yes. Yeah. So, so basically, if if there isn't this stark, I'm in, you're out. I need to save you. There, we're we're saving the world or saving the elect or whomever. Cleansing from, it. Cleansing yep. it. If there yep. isn't that, then evangelicalism doesn't exist. No. Yeah. That's because. So, yes, let me tell you something. If yes. all there is to this, if there, if <laughs> if all that came. Like if everything was stripped away and there was only love and equality mm. as the main tenets of their faith system, they'd be running for the streets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Screaming. Yeah. Because they wouldn't know what to do with themselves. Yeah, exactly. Because those those. I mean, I hate to be answers. that judgmental and critical, but that really is the truth. Because I know, because I used to be one. I think it's true, too. Because I, again, it goes back to, you know, when, when I have these conversations, like, uh, you know, with with conservative Christians. Well, how do you know this? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm still figuring this shit out. I'm still figuring out what I think about the world. They cannot handle that because yeah. they're so used. And I was I was the same way, you know. I was a, a super conservative evangelical Christian for most of my life, and you know I'm 30 now, and and it's really only been within the past five years that that's been kind of deconstructed for me. And uh, I was the same way, you know. The thought of not having a clear answer to some of these questions that my yep. evangelical faith gave me that made me just want to hide under the bed in terror. Yep. It was too yep. much for me, and and you know. It, what I think it does, and this is just from my own experience, I think it made me really brittle. I think it made me feel like a china cabinet. And I had to protect that yeah. brittleness. I yeah. I knew, I think I knew on a deep level that my whole world was incredibly fragile. And yeah. that meant that I had to protect it fiercely. And that meant that I did not have curiosity or hospitality or openness or any of those, you know, qualities that we that we associate with someone who's very mature and very kind yeah. and very loving um, because I knew that if I looked at something for too long or sat down and thought about something for too long then it would all just fall apart and and my yep. brittle faith would just snap very true the best you can do in these in in conservative evangelicals just learn to fake it yes yes you know I I love how you uh, I love how you write about that is a, it, it's like this perpetual faking it till you make it, but never really yep. quite making it. It's just all faking it. <laughs> it's all. I mean, it, I mean, listen. I was a pastor, and I, you know, I, you have these internal moments. You go, "What the shit am I talking about?" Yeah. And you have these mo. You know, I wrote about the stories of some of the people that I counsel, and you just go, you, you know, you just know, you just know when you're down deep. Hopefully, you have some trigger down deep. They're going, "Oh God!" But yeah. you just, you, you have to keep going. The system is, you know, you're locked in, man. You, you know, and and I think, and this is, you know, I think I tell this story in the in the book, but, um, you know, I was going to do a message on homosexuality and 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 just the complete, you know, different way of looking at that. 
in an affirming way from a biblical perspective. Mm. And a couple Sundays before I did that, I told, you know, I told our worship team and, and one of the guys on the worship team, you know, said, Hey, you know, I can't, I can't be there for that, man. I can't, I can't. I'm like, well, dude, what, what's the problem? And you don't have to believe any of it. Yeah. I'm just sharing another perspective. You don't have to agree. You can still play in the band. We're not going to kick you out. Yeah. And he's like, no, I, I can't. I said, I said, and then finally I called him. I said, listen, man, what is up? Yeah. And you know, what's the problem? And he says, well, I said, literally, I said, what are you afraid of? And he says, I'm afraid you're going to convince me. Yup. Exactly. And, 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 <laughs> and, and, and no, seriously. And, and, and I, and I, the people I have found a lot of times that is the deal breaker. They're like, you know what? I can listen to what you're saying, Chris. I can even agree with it deep, deep down in a secret place. Yes. But the cost for me to allow that to become a conviction in my life is going to be too costly. The relationships, all that kind of stuff, they're, you know, and they just won't pay it. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I think that is 100% true. So, so, you know, this kind of fundamentalism, it's a powerful thing and it gets your hooks in you. Like, like it gets its hooks in you. It, and it goes deep. And yep. because I think it, it does hit us in all of these basic human insecurities. Uh, I think that there is something about the human mind. Uh, and maybe it's also, it, it, it's kind of divided along personality as well. You know, I, I think maybe certain personality types are drawn more to fundamentalism than others. But there, I think that there is a vulnerability within us as a species towards radicalism and fundamentalism because yep. we love these answers. And, and, you know, the author, horror author H.P. Lovecraft says that the greatest and most ancient fear is the fear of the unknown. And, and I think that's true. And I think that fundamentalism addresses that fear. So with that in mind, with like that, how hard and deep it goes in inside of you, how, how deep it gets its hooks in you. How did you get out? What was it that led you out of fundamentalism? Wow. Well, you know, it wasn't just one thing, probably. It was a series. I came to the end of it where, you know, I almost committed suicide. And, you know, and, and then I had some experience that this that just totally changed my mind about who God is. Mm. And that really set into motion a series of dominoes falling in in the right direction for me to you know what people call now deconstruct. I, I don't know what, but to reevaluate. That's the really buzzword. Question. That's the buzzword. It is these a buzzword. I kind of hate it. I don't like it. <laughs> really, that's just funny. To, to re to reevaluate to really just kind of go back and say, you know what? Hey, why do I really believe this? And where did I come from that? Did I just hear somebody say it and I just adopted it and mm. just cut and pasted it into my own life? And so I did that, and and that changed everything. I mean, it you know it just was a place where I had to you know, go you know God you know this is not right. This, this, there's, this is just crap. And, you know, there's a series of events, you know, one was the, you know, the almost suicide. Another was when we adopted a couple of kids from China and going there and experiencing that and coming back and going, America, Christianity is crap. I mean, those people are dying over there, you know, you know, for their faith, they're underground. And yet we can't even get to church in a parking lot without having some kind of golf cart meet us at our car to drive us up to the mega church. I mean, mm. it's just bull crap. Yeah. And I thought, man, you know, in a, as a pastor, you got all these people whining about this and the carpet color here and, you know, the choir robes and what songs. Oh, I didn't like that song. And the lighting was too dark in here. <laughs> what are those new people doing? What are those new people doing here? Are they going to become members or are they just going to come to stuff and not pay? You know, and, and you got all this whining and bitching and moaning. You're going, this is crap. This is wrong. So there was a lot of stuff that started to just you know register on my radar screen a little bit. Is going, wow, this is messed up. And so finally, you know, I think it all came to a place where I was like, wow, 
I, I really have to relook at all this and 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 start mm. over. Mm. Was there any particular? So so I know that for a lot of people, it's it's like a particular theological issue or moment. You know, like uh, uh, my friend M- Melissa Wilson, and I think this is true for a lot of people, said that it was the the rise of Trump that made her reevaluate evangelical Christianity. Like, what have we done? We've created this monster who's now in in the presidency. Was there, or you know, other people have said that there is a crisis regarding their their stance on LGBT issues. Like suddenly a kid comes out, or their best friend's gay, or you know something. Was there a particular theological issue that this centered around for you, or was it just more amorphous? Was it more just like this whole thing is fucked up? <laughs> well, I think you know it wasn't one thing. First, sure. it started with first it started with me having to work my head through Calvinism. Oh God. Um, because that came, that, that came to our church. The one of the church I was pastoring along the way, I never dealt with it before. And all of a sudden it came, you know, knocking on my door as a pastor. And so I had to wrestle with that. And man, that you want to talk about freaking evil. Yeah. That is, is the most, and that really, that whole thing haunted the hell out of me, to be honest with you. Yeah. So that was part of it. And then, and then just, you know, my, my own, my own, just just realizing, you know, as the more I become evangelical, the worse I am as a person, and mm. I, and and really going, this is crap. This is this is not the fruit is not growing on this tree at all, and mm. I'm faking it, and I'm faking it, I'm faking it, and it's not working. So that was a big piece. Yeah, and then and then also, you know, just realizing, um, you know. You know about the about for me coming into the message of grace, the pure grace of God, that God is love, um, and all the things that come with that. And mm. I started really listening to that, and man, that just made so much sense to me. Yeah, and really flipped entirely, flipped my whole understanding of God, Jesus, and all everything. And yeah. then from there, you know, I had to you know reevaluated the scriptures and what the scriptures you know were in terms of you know where do they sit in my faith and, and importance and all that kind of stuff. And then the LGBTQ issue came up for me, and a lot of that was honestly just um some relationships and some friendships i developed in the lgbt community and i really just sat down and they didn't realize i was interviewing them but i was Mm. and i was just asking questions and like trying to understand and i literally had a moment where you go this is not these people here are not what we're talking about in the bible whatever's being talked about in the bible that's not what we have right in front of me yeah Absolutely. And that really start that really started me to research. And when I after I got done researching and everything, I was like, "Oh my God, uh, I have been so <laughs> wrong about this." Yeah. And uh, but yeah, and, and you know, it's funny because people criticize me all the time about the LGBTQ stuff. And sometimes I just literally push the brakes and say, "Listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go develop relationships, genuine listening." asking authentic relationships with the LGBT community. I want you to do four or five people. Yeah. I want you to build that relationship. I want you to listen to their story. I mean, really listen. And after you've done that, and then you've researched every author you can find who looks at the Bible and what it says about those issues differently than you, then we can come back and have a conversation. Right. But until you have that relationship and you are in front of those people and you really look into their eyes and their soul with a genuine desire to learn in a humble way, you'll mm. never get it. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that I regularly find myself telling people, because, you know, people ask me all the time, well, 
how should I respond to homosexuality? What should I do about this? And and I get asked this from people across all kinds of theological spectrums. You know, there are people whose hearts are softened towards gay people, but whose theology has not, and they feel that dissonance. Or there are just people who are who are just closed to the topic altogether. But what I regularly find myself telling people is read as much as you possibly can about it. Get to know as many LGBT people, LGBT people as you can. And if they are willing to be in a relationship with you, then pursue that. And three, be in it for the long haul. Don't just, you know, after a year of study, be like, okay, I've got this figured out. No, be in it for the long haul. Be in it for years. Be in it for decades. Be willing to be because, you know, LGBT people, we don't have the luxury of being able to opt out of this subject. <laughs> we don't have the luxury of being able to, you know, for this and our basic rights to not be an issue for us. <laughs> this is an ongoing, lifelong thing for us. And the very least that straight people can do is to also be committed to it for the long haul. And fourth, finally, let it fuck up your life. <laughs> like... Let it let it keep you up at night. Let it cause enormous dissonance in your religion. Let it cause enormous theological angst for you. Like do it, do that. And anything less than that is not enough. Any you know, if anything less than that is not standing in solidarity with LGBT people. And I know that that often comes off as harsh to people, but I'm like, listen, that this is just the way it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, for real. Yep. Well, that's it, that's just a product of how far we've fallen. Yes, I mean, it is. if you're going to fall that far, it's going to take some time to walk back up. Yep. Yeah. It, exactly. So, what are you what are you doing now? Are you involved in? Are you still a minister? Are Are you still pastoring? So, what I do now is I have a professional job in the finance financial industry that I do. Okay. But then, you know, I've just because of my writing and everything, I have a pretty significant online community yeah. that, you know, basically, you know, considers themselves my church in a way. And so I just write and I've, you know, spoken, you know, I speak every once in a while um, and uh, just kind of seeing where all that's taking me. That's awesome. One of the things that I keep coming back to is that there is a difference between healthy religion and unhealthy religion. And so, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about what unhealthy religion looks like. And I think that the conservative evangelical world is a pretty good example of unhealthy religion. But what in your mind does healthy religion look like or healthy spirituality if you don't like the word religion? Yeah, I would say a healthy spirituality. Um, I think it looks like uh, a couple of things. One, I think it it embraces that God is love, that that is the essence, that is the mm. um the, the the entire scope it's not just an attribute of god it is the essence it's the full deal it's the hmm. it's the entirety of it so there that's a beginning place for me i think you for me a healthy spirituality you know that you know if you don't believe in god then then love then then you believe in love you know yes you know, that 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 you know that that is the that's the core that that's the center from which everything must come and everything must be evaluated mm. mm -hmm. and then from there uh i think it goes to then um uh, a, a view of humanity as being whole a view of humanity as being uh, that we're all equal in value and worth um mm. and that being human is a beautiful thing that you know that there's redemptive value in all of us equally yeah um so then from there um i think it goes to you know how best to encourage and love and share 
um, and serve one another to be able to help people experience the best of life. Yeah, um, I think that the spiritual side of things is is freedom. That that people must have the freedom to not only explore all kinds of ideas, but also to be at different places and to never land. I think you know landing is a terrible thing. Mm. Um, you know, so I don't think that's healthy. I think you know healthy spirituality is one where you realize God is so much bigger, and there's no place in your mind you're going to be able to go where you know, it's just going to you know, completely, you know, be this game-ending kind of um, thought or conclusion or something that's just outside of the realm of of what's appropriate. I mean, I just mm. think you know the freedom to be able to explore those things, and I think too, the healthy spirituality is really rooted in in that. You know, obviously, you know, one of the famous sayings from the Bible, you know, "Perfect love casts out fear." Yes. That. That 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 love that you sense in God and believe in God, you know, casts out a fear in you so much that even sin is not something that that rules your life. That that you know, screwing up or messing up or sin is not something that's like a uh, a cause for you know you know fear and trepidation and and things like that. Um, mm. And that actually, you know, when God is love and He's as big as He is, or She, whatever, however you want to label it, <laughs> that you know that 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 sin that 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 we actually have the freedom to sin. That that you really don't understand grace until you really believe that it's in a sense okay for me to sin. Yes. In, in you know, in terms of you know, it's not going to do anything. It, it maybe it maybe hurt me. It may hurt other people. That's that's bad, right? That's bad. But in terms of who I am as a person, in terms of my value, my worth. You know, my connection, my communion with God. That's the other thing, too, I think that's about a healthy relationship with God. There's no there's no such thing in my mind as having a relationship with God. Yeah. I think we are in full communion with God or with love or whatever, you know, however you want to put words to it. That there's no – because a relationship is like a give and take. It's like, you know, it's close. It's distance. You know, there's always some kind – you can't have a – So it's more like breathing. It's like you're always breathing. Are you just aware of it or not? Or it's like – Exactly. We're always in the present moment. Are you just aware of the present moment? Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Exactly. Are there – So those things – yeah, go make on. are important. Yeah, those those would be mm. the beginning of what a healthy religion or spirituality would look like. Is there any way in which you still struggle with the lessons you learned from fundamentalism? Like it can take a long time to deprogram those tapes. You know, yeah. are are is there any way in which you still struggle with your former fundamentalism, like maybe creeping back or or? In invading your thoughts in some way, or do you feel like you've pretty much gotten rid of it? Well, I think anybody who's been in evangel- evangelicalism long enough will have a twitch. Yeah, absolutely. You, 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 you're, you're not <laughs> going to get out of it without having a twitch. Yeah, for sure. And and every once in a while, you'll have a moment where you think about something or something will come back. You go, oh, oh, oh. And then you have to kind of just go, no, no, no. Just, yeah. Yeah. You like know, you kind of just, are you, it's weird. Are you ever afraid of hell still? Like, do you ever get like irrational fears of hell? Um, I wouldn't say that as much as I mean, I, you know, there are, there are moments where you go, "Oh shit, maybe I'm wrong." No, 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 no. I've been down this road. Trust me, Gratza, <laughs> you're going the right direction, buddy. Yeah. But you have this moment. You have these moments where you go, "Wait." Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. maybe maybe it really is this way. You know, uh, you, you know, you got to be honest about those things that. I think everybody's going to have a little bit of a twitch from time to time that goes, 
Yeah, because that absolutely. programming is so man, it gets so down into the very you know the very fibers of your soul that you know some of that still still resides a little bit. I think, and you know, every once in a while, I just have a moment, but it's just a very faint moment. It goes very quickly, but mm-hmm. yeah, does that no, make sense. Absolutely, and I I get that too, and. I find that it's, you know, those old neural pathways that were built yes, by... very well said. Yeah, the, you know, those those neural pathways that were built by my conservative evangelicalism, they are still there. And, you yeah. know, barring a lobotomy, they will probably yeah. be there till I die. And they can yeah. still get activated, you know. They're, yeah. and, and sometimes it just requires a place or a time or or a sensation or a sound and and it gets activated again and yeah and i have to be aware of that it's like you know this weird mr dr jekyll mr hyde situation where it's like we still have that latent fundamentalism within us that doesn't mean that we're going to turn into fundamentalists again but it does mean that that we still carry those neural pathways within us and they can be reignited has there so your deconstruction process i know you don't like that word um your reevaluation process of your faith was there any point during that process that you found yourself doubting the existence of god himself or or has god kind of always been a, an obvious reality to you and it's more like who is god what is god whatever what is our place in the world in relation to god um yeah i don't think there's ever well gosh if there's ever been a time where i've questioned just the overall reality of god that's been a very very small sure thing i've always felt like god is is there in some capacity or another mm. um mm-hmm. now whether now the way i viewed that and the way I understood it and the way I pictured and thought of it in my mind has radically changed. But I've never, um, and sometimes people ask me, said, you know, I can't believe that you still believe in Jesus after everything that you've been through. And, and, you know, and, and they're very curious, like, how did you hold on? Cause I think there's a lot of people who still want to try to hold on to Jesus, you know, and, and, but they don't know how to, because, you know, everything that's been attached to him through evangelical is just sucks. Hmm. So they don't know how to separate. They don't know how to do that fine surgery to, you know, take out the tumor without killing the body. Yeah. And so for me, I, I, I just, I had those moments where my mind was changed about who God is and Jesus. And that was enough for me. I didn't have to go, you know, that, that, that was a convincing moment for me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah, I, you know, I think I think there are times where I go, man, maybe this is all crap. You know, I mean, seriously, you, sure. you really go, man, maybe, you know, because this being you know, this when, being the whole notion of God altogether. Well, I don't know about the whole notion of God together because sure. but but definitely about, you know, even Jesus and just because, you know, when you start to really, you know, look at things, you know, we we humans have done a lot to miss the plot and to you know when you start researching you know other religions and everything and you try to find the common denominators and all that and it it, for me it all comes back to love yeah so i i I guess i just have a confidence that no matter where i go i'm okay in god's mind yes whatever god is i'm okay whatever that is if it's the universe if it's just whatever it is i'm gonna be okay I and that's got to be just incredibly empowering. And, and you know, you bring up this. You said something really, really interesting a minute ago, where you said 
that you know the the cancer of your of your you know it, processing through evangelicalism uh, that you were able to remove it without killing the body. And I feel like I'm one of those people for whom my doubt was terminal. You know, it it did kill my faith. And and not really, and I miss it. I miss my faith. I, I miss God. I miss that relationship enormously. You know, I, can, um, I can tell you for me, one of the pictures in this, I don't know if this is going to come across right when I, when I say it, and it's not in the book. I probably should have put it in there. But I just remember one time I went to I went to church as a little little dude. And it was a Lutheran church. My parents were taking us kids. And as we were coming out of the church, there was just the sun was just in a position and 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 I just felt like that it was as simple as the sun. It, it just mm. the, the warmth of the sun, just the sun rising. And for even as a child, just like, you know what, this is just and I just felt like, you know, that's that's all that's everything together there in that moment, just feeling like the sun's shining. Yeah. You know, and I've always come back to that picture in my mind going, you know what? The sun shines and, mm. and, and God is love. And there's still that there's goodness and, and life. And for me, I just, I've always come back to that as kind of like a, if I can't figure out everything and all the details and all the ways that I should describe it, mm. all I have to do is just go back to that and go, it's it's not like it's just a moment where you just know you yeah. just it, or I don't know I'm not even saying it right that's probably why it's not a book but. well I think well no I th- I think I'm following though and I think that's really lovely and you and, know and I cherish that it's like a womb like experience yeah it's like it's like being in the womb you just it's like I'm in the I'm in I'm not thinking about God I'm just in it I'm yes. in it yeah and and I go back to I go like oh yeah that was it it wasn't about a theology it wasn't about was I thinking correctly I was just I was awake. Mm. And I was in it. Yeah. And you're right. And I cherish it. It's it's like womb like for me. It's like it's 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 a place I just a picture in my mind. I can remember it, feeling it, and that's what I go back to. Yeah. That's I think that's really lovely. And what I want to do is to create a space where where we can have this spectrum of belief, you know, where we can where we can kind of all come together and say, hey, you know, we're we're struggling. We're working through the the religions that we were given. And for some of us that will result in atheism and for some of us that will result in a continued faith. But no matter where we fall, what what's most important is how we live. And that to me is what I keep coming back to is yep. I'm concerned with correct praxis, with orthopraxy over orthodoxy. Right. Um, I, I'm concerned with are people loving, are people humble, are people open to kindness and, and to self-criticism and, and relationship. And, and that's what's most important to me. And I know a lot of atheists who are none of those things, and I know a lot of pagans and witches and Christians and Satanists and Muslims and, and on and on and on who are those things, you know? Yep. And, and that is what is most important to me, is, um, is correct action. And I, and I want to create a, a place where we can focus more on what is the correct posture towards the world and towards others, rather than what is the correct view of the world, if that makes sense. There you go. Yeah. 
Well, I, I think that this has been a really great conversation. We've already come up on our hour. This this has flown by. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if ever you want to come back onto the show, just let me know. I'd be happy to have you. Yeah, that would be awesome. And, you know, next time up in Nashville, dude, we got to have a beer. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you can stalk me on, on Facebook or wherever. Uh, you have my number now. So, yeah, anytime you come to Asheville, please let me know and we can go out for a beer. Let's do it. Absolutely. Um, Man, this has been an honor and a treat. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super happy to have you on. And uh, for people who want to kind of follow up with you or check out your work, where can they find you? Go to Facebook. Just look me up, Chris Kratzer. You'll find me. Also, chriskratzer.com. And the book is Leatherbound Terrorism on Amazon. Yep. I highly recommend it. I think I will also be writing a review for it sometime later this week so people can check that oh, that'd out. That'd be awesome. Yep. I'll I'll be doing that. It's it's part of my agreement for getting the advanced copy, <laughs> the free copy. <laughs> I I got you. Yep, <laughs> from from Mike Morell. Anyway, well that is it for this show. The music is by the Jelly Rocks from the album Bang and Whimper, and the artwork is by Justin Dozier Bryant. For more shows like this one, go to RockCandyRecordings.com, where we have all kinds of interesting musicians and creators and podcasters making awesome stuff. Also, if you want to support this show, please go to patreon.com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long and you can read my dozens and dozens of articles about faith and doubt and sexuality uh, over at stephenbradfordlong.com. And as usual, thanks for listening. 